It's such a joy for my wife Meg and me to be back with you all. We have been so looking forward to this weekend, especially as these adults and young people are affirming their faith in Christ in confirmation and reception and reaffirmation of the vows made in baptism. And it was great to have time with you all yesterday. Um, Friends, I am so thankful for Mary Hayes in a difficult season. As I say, wait, there's more. (laughs) In In such a difficult season for Truro, she has been serving you with a pastor's heart, uh, with patience and kindness and warmth and joy. Mary is such an attentive listener, and she asks great questions. Sometimes they're hard questions, aren't they? And she has such extraordinary wisdom, wisdom that I've relied on myself countless times over the years. I praise God for you, Mary, and for the wonderful job you're doing. God bless you. Now, and I praise God for Mike and Jamie and Sue, uh, for Lincoln and Holly and the Vestry, for Mary Springman and the search committee, and for your wonderful staff team. You all are faithfully served by godly, prayerful leaders who are giving so much of themselves, especially in this challenging time of transition. My great thanks to you all. Well, let's turn to the scriptures. In this season of Epiphany, you've been enjoying a sermon series on mission, and I've been uh, listening and watching those sermons online along with you. This morning, I want to look at a missionary model given given to us in scripture. I want to hold up the experience of the early Christians gathered together in the fledgling church in the city of Antioch so that we can see what their experience can show us about being the church in Northern Virginia. Antioch was an important city in the Roman world. It was considered the third most important city in the empire after Rome and Alexandria. It was a large city with a population in excess of half a million. It was a Gentile city, but it had a large Jewish population. The church was established there because some faithful believers in Jerusalem got forced out by the persecution that came against them. Now Jesus had told his disciples before his ascension, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But there's no evidence that they went out beyond Jerusalem until they were forced out by the persecution that arose after the deacon Stephen was martyred for his witness for Christ. We might say that their missionary obedience was initially motivated more by circumstances than by strategy. I'm reminded of what President John F. Kennedy said when he was asked, how did you become a war hero in World War II? He replied, it was involuntary. They sank my boat. (laughs) True in another way for some of us, because isn't it fascinating how the Lord uses hardship and adversity for his good purposes? How often the Lord will use some crisis 
to get us refocused, reoriented, back in line with his priorities. Now, some of the believers who fled Jerusalem in the face of this violent persecution came to Antioch along the coast in the far northeastern corner of the Mediterranean where Syria meets Turkey. And there they planted a church. And I want to look at this church in Antioch as we read about it several times through the book of Acts. I want to highlight eight hallmarks of that church and reflect with you about Truro, about what the Lord is doing among you and what he may be calling you to be and do here in this community and beyond. So here we go, eight hallmarks. Number one, the church in Antioch was an evangelizing church. We first hear about the church in Antioch in our reading from Acts chapter 11. Beginning in verse 20, we read that these persecuted believers came from Jerusalem preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was on them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, mission in much of the church in America has been famously described as putting an aquarium by the ocean in the hope that a fish would jump in. <laughs> but we follow a savior who went out to seek and save the lost. He's not aloof, uncaring, unwilling to get involved. He loved us so much that he took upon himself human flesh, identifying with us, becoming one of us, entering our world to seek us out and bring us home. And as the Father sent him, so he sends us. You are blessed to be a part of a congregation that reaches those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. But friends, it is not enough to be part of an evangelizing church if we are not also sharing the love of God ourselves. Would you pray? that the same zeal to reach out with the good news of the gospel that has long characterized this congregation as a whole will also mark your personal life. Will you ask God to make you passionate to share Jesus? Hallmark number two. The church in Antioch was a discipling church. In Acts 11, verse 22, we read that word about this new church plant had reached the church leaders in Jerusalem, and they sent one of their best to Antioch, a man named Barnabas. Barnabas arrived and joined the team. It says that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and even more people turned to Christ. But Barnabas saw the need to go deeper. You've probably heard it said about some churches that they are a mile wide and an inch deep. And Barnabas knew the danger of that. And so he reached out to the greatest teacher he knew, Saul from the nearby city of Tarsus, the one we know as the Apostle Paul. Saul joined the team, and the two of them taught the church for a year. And it was there that in Antioch at that time that disciples of Jesus were first called Christians, meaning a follower of Christ, the church came to a deepening maturity. Some of you have come alive in Christ quite recently. Others of you have walked with Jesus for many years. Either way, keep on pressing in for more of the Lord. 
What Truro needs more than anything else right now is for you to seek the Lord with your whole heart. None of us have arrived. We all need to grow. So go deeper in your study of God's word. Press in more fervently in prayer. Let the Lord bring you and this church family to greater maturity in Christ. Number three, the the church in Antioch was a generous community, a generous church. We also read in Acts chapter 11 that about this time, a man with a gift of prophecy by the Holy Spirit came to Antioch and spoke a word from the Lord to the church. He said that God had showed him there would be a famine throughout the Roman world. Now, how will you react to something like that? First, you'd wonder if you should believe it. But if you did believe it, what would you do? I mean, if a famine is coming to the whole world, that means it's coming to your city. It's coming to you. Well, I think I'd better hunker down, save my pennies. I better cut my spending and shave down what I give away to anybody else. That's the natural reaction if you know things are going to get really tight in the future. But how does the church in Antioch react to this prophecy of famine? They take up an offering to help others. They give, not just a token amount, but each according to his ability. And they send it off to help the church in Jerusalem to relieve the famine that hasn't even happened yet. Furo has long been that kind of generous church. A church that gives and gives away. As some of you remember, for a a number of years in your history, this church was able to give away half of the church budget every year. It wasn't that ministries were cut back so much. No, this congregation gave more and more freely, more and more joyously, until you had raised up a missions budget equal to what was spent on ministry within the church. Truro is always called by God to be a church that receives abundance from God and then gives in abundance for the needs of others. As you pray and trust him, God is going to give this church more and more resources to use and to give away for the work of his kingdom. Number four, the church in Antioch was a multi-ethnic church. I'm going to turn past our reading today and turn over to Acts 13, where we pick up the story of this church. Acts 13, verse 1 says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manny and a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, Niger is a nickname meaning black, so doubtless Simeon was an African. So was Lucius from Cyrene in North Africa. Manian, the friend of Herod the Jewish king, was a Jew. Jew and Gentile, black and white. These groups were even more separated in that culture than in ours. And yet here they are together in the church. The tendency of all groups, including churches, is to become more and more uniform, more and more just like us. The church is, this church is different. You have a commitment to reach out 
and draw in people who probably never hang out together if they weren't brought together by Jesus. And that is demonstrated so beautifully through tips. But take the next step. Do the hard work of forging personal friendships across racial and ethnic lines. Listen to one another. Learn from one another. So that in our grievously polarized culture, you can be God's instrument of healing and reconciliation. Number five, the church in Antioch was a worshiping church. Acts 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. When they came together for worship in Antioch, they came with an expectancy of meeting God. They weren't just going through the motions. They didn't just come to hear a good sermon. They came open to God, eager to give him praise, passionate to know him more, receptive to what he wanted to do in their lives. Worship is not just preaching, although your clergy's preaching is a tremendous blessing. Worship is not just music, although the music you hear, experience here is glorious. Worship is coming into the presence of God to give him the glory that he alone is worthy to receive. It is encountering the living God who longs to show you himself and to make known to you his will and plan for you. Truro gets this. Truro gets this in so many ways. I'm told that it's not unusual for people who come here for the first time to say that they were overwhelmed by the sense of God's presence. May Truro ever be that sort of community where people come before God open, eager, expectant, where God can speak and his people will hear where worship is alive and where lives are transformed. Number six, the church in Antioch was a spirit-led church. One day in Antioch, God showed up in church and he really shook things up. While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke and praise God, they listened. The Holy Spirit said, verse two, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. God speaks. God directs. God has a will and a plan for you personally, and he has a will and a plan for this church. That means we lay down our own agendas and we follow the Holy Spirit. I know that is the commitment of your vestry and search committee as they seek your new rector to lay down their personal preferences and seek the one God wants for Truro. The great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon said that the prayer room is the engine room of the church. Would you join in firing up the engine of mission by praying fervently and faithfully for the Lord to show you his will for Truro? and for his Holy Spirit to empower you to fulfill your calling for the spread of his kingdom. Number seven, the church in Antioch was a missionary church. Acts 13, verses three and four. 
Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed on to Cyprus. The church sent out Barnabas and Saul. These were their very best, their very best. And yet they sent them out. Now increasingly, the wording in the original doesn't quite come through to us in English. In verse 3, where it says that the church sent Barnabas and Saul, the word used really means released. The church released them. Then, in verse 4, it's the Holy Spirit who actually sent them. And that's the, it's exactly the way it works. The church needed to release them to do what the Holy Spirit was calling them to do. And when they said yes to God and let go of these leaders, the Holy Spirit sent them out on a mission that changed the world. The fact that they did it with fasting and prayer means that they knew it had to be God's work. They weren't capable of pulling this off. If God didn't empower this mission, it would fail. Antioch was a wonderful church. It was reaching people. But that wasn't enough. God was calling them to more. They weren't complacent or smug, but they were obedient to the God, God's call to reach out and all the work that the Apostle Paul did in mission, taking the gospel to Europe, planting churches, all of it, came about because the church in Antioch was a missionary church, a sending church. This congregation has long had a commitment to missions and to church planting. Church of the Epiphany now in Chantilly and Church of the Holy Spirit in Leesburg are Truro church plants. And you have sent out and supported many missionaries around the world, and you've been hearing from a number of them during this season. And you've engaged in strategic and fruitful mission work here in this community, like the Lamb Center. Keep releasing your very best into mission. And last, number eight, the church in Antioch was a submitted church, a submitted church. A few years later, the church in Antioch faced a problem that threatened to divide them and destroy the church. They were confused about how to handle the issue of Gentiles becoming Christians. Did these non-Jews have to follow all the rules of the Jewish law in the Old Testament or not? And we read about that controversy in Acts chapter 15. But when they had this difficulty, they didn't think to presume to deal with it on their own. They asked for help. They went to the apostles in Jerusalem for guidance and direction. And when they received the decision of the apostles, they didn't react defensively or in that passive-aggressive way where you say you'll go along, but then grumble behind their back and fight it all the way. No, Acts 15.31 says they rejoiced because of the encouragement they received from those in authority over them. Sometimes when we've been burned by those who have led us poorly, we can be forever distrustful of those in authority. If we've been hurt by parents or teachers or police or church leaders, we can be very hesitant to trust another person in authority. But when we forgive and ask the Lord to heal us, 
He brings us into right and healthy relationships with our leaders where we can be protected and where we can safely trust in what they will do for us. And then in turn, we can act with the authority that we've been given. God has blessed Truro with these trustworthy leaders in your clergy and vestry and staff, open and transparent and humble servants of the Lord and servants of you, God's people. Give thanks to God for them and follow them as they follow Christ. So eight hallmarks of the church in Antioch and its people. They shared the gospel passionately. They discipled people to maturity. They gave generously within the church and beyond it. They reached all sorts of people, people like them and people who were very different. They worshiped the Lord with all their hearts and delighted in his presence. They were open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they obeyed the Holy Spirit promptly. They were sent on mission, and they changed the world, and they trusted and followed their leaders. Friends, the Lord is working so beautifully among you. Rejoice in that. Delight in that. Humbly thank God for it. And tell those you know how the Lord is at work and how he's changing your life through this wonderful church family. Keep on lifting up Jesus Christ and share the good news of his salvation with a world that needs him so very much. Amen.